Welcome, welcome, welcome to your home for games that are not being thrown. This is the Purple and Black Pill. Hello, friends. We are back from our little Vlade-oriented sabbatical. Thanks for coming on that journey with us. We had a great time. Joining us back to normal today, my co-host and best friend since the early 1990s at uh, St. Albans Country Day School, Roseville, California. It's Duncan Smith. Hello, Duncan. I, uh, yeah, what a, what a journey with Vlade and what a journey that the Sacramento Kings have been on in, in the meantime. Yeah, man, uh, we have a lot to catch up on. The first thing I want to start with is somehow a perfect five and five record since we have last checked in. This has been a perfectly appropriate, uh, Kings sort of period since we've last recorded because there have been times in this five and five stretch when it has felt just absolutely desperate and uh, pointless to even continue playing basketball for the rest of this season. And also during this stretch, we have swept the playoff bound Dallas Mavericks. So go figure. <laughs> That's the Kings for you. Yeah, very, very weird team, team that doesn't have a, a true identity and also a team that has been sort of based this season around the presumption or the at least the argument of De'Aaron Fox as a superstar and now we're seeing what that looks like without him what does a team that's already bad borderline tanking look like without its superstar player and the answer is weirdly maybe 500 changing 500 yeah but it gets to the point that everybody is kind of in the same boat that we are like Nobody is really totally sure whether they should be winning or losing right now, regardless of whether they are currently in the playoff bracket or not. There's a lot of jockeying for position, but everything feels sort of confused, and everybody, to me, across the league looks just wiped out. Yeah, I think it's been an exhausting season for the for the players. That is something that I had heard sort of flagged early on throughout the season. There have been a lot of conversations about this season being incredibly difficult, you know, for younger players that don't have their full legs under them. It's a condensed season. That's really hard for older players. The condensed season wears you down because you feel your soreness and your stiffness a little bit more when you're in your 30s or whatever. And for players that are even in their prime, it's tough because they're spending a lot more time away from their families and missing out on the growth of their children and yada yada. So very weird season overall for everybody. And there's also just the grind that all of the rest of us are also going through to a lesser extent than these guys are with just the uncertainty of like, what is protocol? What's appropriate? What's safe? What isn't? You know, like... The we so we're all dealing with that you know at home wondering whether we should like wear a mask when we take our dog outside for a walk or whatever and these guys are like at airports every day right you know bouncing around the country like it's 10 times weirder for them when half of their games are you know in places like california that take it pretty seriously and the other half are in places like texas that are you know actively sort of undermining the public health messaging yeah, so I, I feel for these guys. Uh, that segues us. We'll we'll get back to the to the team's broader performance in a second. But I wanted to talk about a couple of guys who have been grinding it out uh, in these very difficult couple of seasons and um, have managed to come up on a very nice 
business win, <laughs> which is uh, Chemezi Metu and Damian Jones are uh, two two way convert bench bigs have both managed to get multi-year commitments out of the Sacramento Kings. I am very happy to see both of these. I think that this is exactly the kind of message you want to be sending to young, hungry guys coming and trying to find a spot on this team that if you work your ass off and show us something, you will be rewarded with a modest but you know guaranteed deal. I, I thought that both of them showed us a lot. Yeah, I agree. They're, neither of them is going to be the savior of the franchise, but I agree that it's important to show players that if you're willing to accept a role, even if it's an unglamorous one, which in both of their cases it is, that there will be a pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. And also, I think that both of the—I haven't seen the full details of those contracts, but— I imagine that they're both something near minimum per year for a couple of years. And so it's really not one of those situations where we are over leveraging ourselves or over investing in a player that ultimately is a scrap heap player. Both of these guys were sort of available for nothing as waiver wire, two way, whatever. And so dedicating one to 2% of the salary cap to them is totally fine and it doesn't stop you from going out and getting a overpaid player or drafting a center, even though they're both bigs, they're both probably best suited as centers. So it's a good sort of professional franchise move in both cases, I think. Exactly. And I like what I've seen from from both players in flashes. Metu frustrates me sometimes because he fouls a lot and he's got little, he, he plays with a chip on his shoulder, which is great. But then otherwise, other times that sort of results in some poor shot selection from time to time. I think he just gets antsy and throws something up. But they both can do things that otherwise this roster doesn't have. You know, we we had a severe lack of depth in the big area and especially with Bagley's injury prone ways and uh Rashawn's lack of height. Having a couple of other guys and, and Hassan Whiteside obviously is like a circus clown or something so that is nice to me to have guys that are just role players that aren't going to cost you anything if they only end up sitting on the bench because you replace them with super talented guys but you can also use them to eat up some minutes and play a little defense totally agree with you Matthew is a dog for better and for worse I think mainly for better but you know he does get a little uh, ahead of himself sometimes he's a young guy I I have a lot of faith in his ability to grow and I think that both of these are really reasonable deals I thought you put it really well deals like this make me feel like this team is not desperate not being run by a person who's got something to prove and is just trying to build something slowly that's what I like to see as much as anything else it makes me feel a degree of comfort that the people running this show are doing something logical <laughs> right but then they send me Moving on, happy to see those guys get their bag. Looking forward to seeing them around for the next couple years. The team as it exists has a 422 record, which is ninth worst in the league. That is just about exactly where we're used to being at this point in the season for the last mm, 15 or so years. Not bad enough to be, you know, making a serious run at the first overall pick, but good enough to be somehow still competing for this uh, play-in tournament possibility. I wanted to talk a little bit about (laughs) the concept of 
pointless wins here late in the season. We've had such an odd stretch this last 10 or so games that we've been away from the mic. I was wondering if you had any feelings about this stretch and what this team should be doing uh, and if it's different than what it's doing now. <laughs> yeah, I, I do have some feelings about this. You know, I heard Doug Christie and Kyle Draper in the broadcast against the Mavericks in the last game mention a couple of times that they kind of came back to it how the Mavericks are a team that's really trying to win games right now you know this was a pointless win I think to a lot of Kings fans because they look at it and say well this team is not going to make the playoffs even if they somehow snuck into the play-in game which they won't they would be immediately annihilated so why do anything other than try to maximize your draft slot and I get that. On the other hand, the Mavs, there's a reason they kept coming back to that concept. The Mavs are trying to win games. They do need to secure their playoff seating. They do need to go into the playoffs with a little bit of momentum. So when we beat a team like that, it really doesn't bother me. I'm bothered by a win against the Pistons, a win against the Cleveland Cavaliers, the Oklahoma City Thunder. Like Those rosters are basically G League rosters, and the teams are actively trying to lose games. I don't think the players are trying to lose games, but the way that those teams have been set up is to lose games this season. And so even though I don't think that we should go tell our player, we shouldn't go to Tyrese Halliburton at halftime and be like, hey, you're doing a little too well. Could you try to throw the ball out of bounds more often? Uh-huh. So in order for this scheme to work, we'd have to find a surefire flop. You know, like that's not a thing that I think any franchises do, including the ones that are tanking. But when the ball bounces our way in those ones, I'm like, ugh, I wish we could have lost that game. Against a playoff team, like a, a solid playoff team, a team that has a true superstar in Luka, a team that last year... um won 40 plus games in a 72 game season and and was you know mid-level playoff team I'm good with it I want to see Tyrese Halliburton um growing his confidence and distributing the ball with Fox out you know unfortunately we saw an injury there but he's played really well you know he's he's shown that there are some things that he can do that aren't just his scoring average is 12 points and his his six assists or whatever and we saw a great game from Marvin Bagley. It was basically a volume scoring game with some rebounding. Not volume scoring. He was efficient scoring. But it showed a, a level of court awareness that I like to see from him. He had some great passes. He didn't force up a shot every time he got he touched the ball just because he did good stuff. And And that kind of progress is what we should be looking for from this season, regardless of the outcome of the game. Win or lose. We want that kind of progress. And so when we win because we have good players that are young playing well, so be it. And, you know, our roster, to, to go back to the idea of teams that are fielding G League rosters, like, you know, our three best players in that game, Rashawn Holmes, we picked up off of the scrap heap, two years, $10 million. Marvin Bagley, we invested incredibly high pick in, and obviously it wasn't the right pick, but it's the player that we have, and, and we should want to develop him, if for no other reason than to increase his trade value. And Tyrese Halliburton is our rookie that we got in the draft, so like we want all those guys to progress. And the rest of the squad, you know, we saw 20 minutes from Justin James, we saw 30 minutes, I think, from Damian Jones. We we saw a lot of playing time go to guys that are, that are basically scrap heap players. So 
I can't really fault the front office or anybody else for not making a team that's going to lose enough games, you know? Couple thoughts on that from my end. First, when it comes to Dallas specifically, how are you not going to root for beating Dallas regardless? I mean, they got Luka and we're supposed to have Luka. You got to root for sweeping Dallas. Absolutely. And, and the same goes for the Lakers. Like, Of course. Our wins recently have been satisfying wins in that sense. Yeah. And then beyond that, what you're saying about getting these guys experience, look, I don't really see the difference between making the playoffs and having you know significant high leverage moments for our young guys to develop. That's theoretically the idea behind making the playoffs and knowing you're going to lose. And playing games at this point in the season where our guys are developing. What's the difference? You know, you're not going to get better by playing on national television versus you know playing these kind of, quote, pointless wins at like three weeks earlier or whatever. I, I don't look at it as there being any kind of value difference between putting together a good game now and putting together a good game then when the result is not going to like make me feel better or worse. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think I hear what you're saying. They're, the Kings weren't going to win a championship even if they somehow played to the top level and were a playoff team this year. Therefore, any team that they're playing that is a competitive one like the Mavericks, is that's a good win. Yeah, and I think the upshot of this, which, which may be somewhat surprising to our viewers, is that I, I'm kind of not mad either way. You know, this this season is what it is. It's been very frustrating and very up and down. But as far as uh, what we're seeing now, you know, I'm happy to see effort. I'm happy to see engagement. Like you said, it was a real bummer to see Halliburton get injured. He's got an MRI today uh, that we'll hopefully be hearing back on any minute now. But apparently there's some optimism in, in the locker room and in the front office that he's, he's going to be fine. It, it looked worse than it was. Um, it was a non-contact knee injury, which is always scary, but he, he was able to get himself to the locker room, so that's okay. Editor's note, turns out it was a hyperextended knee, and he's out for the rest of the season. But, you know, we sweep Dallas, we're very competitive against the Lakers, and then we also give up 154 points to Utah, sandwiched in between that. And that's the nature of this team, you know, and I, I'm not, like, um, at a point in this season where I'm taking these things personally. And I also just, I don't see like where there's a huge difference for us between making the plan and not making the plan. Could be fun to have one significant game, but it doesn't, I'm not going to get bent out of shape about it either way. No, nor will I. And, and also, you know, to bring up the Utah game versus the Mavs game or the most recent Mavs game, I think the Mavs shot 17% from three point in the game that we just won. <laughs> oh man. They were like six of 30 or something or Six of thirty-five. I don't know. It was terrible. Seventeen percent is bad. And then in the Utah game, that that team, their overall true shooting percentage was like eighty-one <laughs> percent. They had three guys who shot more than a hundred percent true shooting. So there's going to be a wide variance. There has been all season. We've been on multi-game winning streaks. We've seen nine-game losing streak. Multiple five plus game losing streaks it's just the way that this team is and so I also am, am not too worried about their ability to lose games when it counts if you want to put it that way you know we we've won a few too many to really get down there in the basement with the Rockets but right now looking at Tankathon our percentage for winning a top four pick so rising out of our ninth place in the lottery is 20 percent so that's a one in five chance not great but also not bad either one in five you know like if you had 
if you had a, a gun with five slots and one bullet was in there, you're not putting it to your head. Like that's 20% is a pretty good chance. And then we, we are one and a half games ahead of Chicago, who has a 32% chance. So that's basically a one in three chance of winning the lottery and getting a top four pick. And Chicago is trying to win games. They're, they're trading their pick. And they just got an all star at the at the break. Obviously, it hasn't gone real well for them, but <laughs> boy, I'll say. <laughs> and they're they're not a great team even with Vucevic. But it's it just goes to show you that we shouldn't really presume anything about the Kings' chances of getting a top pick until that draft lottery actually happens, because the flattening of the draft lottery odds has completely changed the landscape. As well as the the playing game, you know, there are a lot more teams that have reason to compete right now, and a lot fewer teams that have reasons to just absolutely throw every game. Like, just my point is like, why are we living our lives like we're in some ancient civilization trying to like divine the rainfall by like slitting a goat's throat on a mountaintop or something? Like, just we'll see what happens, right? You know, <laughs> like yeah, yeah, it's it's been way too long to get over invested in that. And also, like, let's face it, we've we've seen the number two pick become Marvin Bagley, and we've seen the number twelve pick become Tyrese Halliburton. So it shits out of our hands, you know. Like, just let's let's react to the things that are happening, you know. And I have been very, you know, we we it's been well covered on this show as we've been kind of just like coping in real time with this team throughout the course of this year. It's been very confusing and very frustrating but i think that we're we're both kind of at a point now where i'm not taking the things that happen with this particular team personally at all like we're we're in the same position as every other team in the league who is not good which is that we would we're we're jockeying for draft position but we're not we're doing it much less shamelessly i think than like oklahoma city you know everybody is talking about how tanking was so damaging to the league for so long and oklahoma city's best player or highest paid player certainly is just like resting and that's allowed you know we're now dealing with our best player which we haven't even we haven't really gotten into this but our best player De'Aaron Fox who was playing absolutely out of his mind was averaging like in the 30s for the past you know few few game stretch that he was playing is now out and has been for the past five games since uh, the 25th of April in the health and safety protocol out at least two weeks which there's some speculation that means he tested positive for COVID, which you got to feel for him because that really sucks as vaccines are becoming more and more prominent. Yeah, and who knows what it would mean for how long the mental fog and the issues with lungs that they talk about as, you know, long haul COVID survivors, what that's going to be like for him. Right. And you, I mean, you've seen it with certain players, you know, it hasn't it hasn't uh, affected his career terribly. But like Jason Tatum has been dealing with lung issues for this entire year, uh, like a lot of players, whether we know it or not, have been feeling significant effects from this. And we just don't know what the deal is. So these guys, like I said, they're 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 taking a lot of risk just kind of being out and about. And I know a lot of them have probably varied opinions about uh, whether the vaccine is appropriate or not. So just in addition to everything else they're dealing with, they're dealing with that. And it's been very interesting as a fan to try and process this as just like another basketball season. Do you know what I mean? Like, or just another sports event to consume because I can't, I kind of can't get it out of my head. Like, man, these guys are really like enduring a lot of shit. 
Like these guys, these guys are really like facing a ton of isolation. And like, I I know that it's, this is not like a particular subset of humanity that we want to throw a lot of pity at at the moment because they're so well compensated and they have these glamorous lifestyles and stuff. But with Fox being out for all this time and just not being able to hear anything from him, it just is a bummer. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're human beings, ultimately, even if they are ultra rich human beings. And I think what this pandemic has shown us is that a lot of us are so wrapped up in our daily routine and rat race and the day to day, just normal pressures of being an adult that we lose a little bit of perspective and and I think that a lot of people gained some perspective back from from the pandemic and just having a little bit more time at home, a little bit more time to think about what is truly permanent in life and the things that aren't or the things that are changeable. You know, we saw the entire economy shut down. We saw a disease hit in a way that made it so that even these people who are physically gods among men one in a hundred million or a billion physical specimens couldn't even go outside because this pandemic was the way that it was. And so I think it's natural that we'll see a lot of new perspectives from players that we aren't used to seeing in years and decades prior. It's just that it's going to change people's mental attitudes toward the game and, and what their priorities are. That is very, very well put. And you know what? I'm tempted to leave it there for today. Love what you have to say there. Honestly, I-, I like what I'm seeing out of this team. I'm I'm ambivalent at all times about the Luke Walton era. Uh, I wish that we were free of him. I, it doesn't seem likely to me that we will be anytime soon. But we've got a team that at the moment, at least, they're, they're one of the worst defensive teams in league history. That's not getting better. That is what it is. But we're seeing some effort. We're seeing some energy. We're seeing a young guy giving everything he has in Tyrese Halliburton, the baby, baby boy, uh, who, you know, is showing us a lot of big strides forward as a primary ball handler. We may be facing sort of a champagne problem going into the future about who is our primary ball handler, Halliburton or Fox. These two will be playing off of each other for years. It's a it's a fun situation to be in regardless of the fact that this is a terrible team uh taking a small step back to do the the vladi episodes that we did um and not being involved in the grind of the day-to-day for two weeks has got me feeling a little bit refreshed about the possibilities of this team we're in a better position than a lot of other teams despite everything and i'll take it for now (laughs) (laughs) that is it for us Thank you so much for sticking with us. We have got Oklahoma City, the magnificently tanking Oklahoma City Thunder. Uh, Today, that's Tuesday, Wednesday against Indiana. We will be back on Friday, and we will talk to you then. So long, friends. Peace. Peace.